Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello everybody, we're running a bit late this week. Welcome back to the Doggy Pod. We have been flat out planning a very big treat for you. It's coming up soon, but we're <laughs> here bit, now. That's a bit vague, Rob. Yeah, we're, we're running a bit late because, yeah, we've all been super busy, haven't we? <laughs> so you haven't, you haven't introduced yourself yet, Rob. Oh, well, I'm... Yeah, I mean, you know, you're running so late you can't even, haven't, haven't even got the that's, time that's, to that's, say that's who you are. Busy we are, that's right, we're flat to the boards. Dr. Rob Zammett here, guys, so you, you know that. All you yes. people listen in and they I tell you, I get some lovely, lovely emails and um, people are often saying to me, just started listening and I'm catching up because there are so many episodes. If you want to catch up, uh, you're going to be a long time uh, yeah. from the very first one. But I've had a lot of people say it's worth it because they get a lot of information from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a dog owner and a dog lover, <clears throat> indispensable in information. Stephen Peters is my name, and I'm Dr. Rob's producer, which means I've got to try and make sense of his ramblings and keep him on, on track, generally. That which seems is to be very my job. hard to do. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be my job. Anyway, um, hey, this week we're doing something um, a little bit different. And I don't know if uh, many people know that obviously Dr. Rob is, is a vet. And he looks after dogs and cats and other sort of domestic animals. But what hmm. a lot of people may not know is Dr. Rob looks after an extraordinary or has worked on an extraordinary variety of animals and continues to do so. Now, I'm just going to tell you some of these animals and then we're just going to talk about a couple of them. So, so, so Rob yeah. has operated on or looked after... Lions, tigers, bears, elephants, seals, dolphins, meerkats, marmosets, chimpanzees, baboons, crab-eating, what do you call those? Macaques. Crab-eating macaques, uh, snakes, kangaroos, wallabies, emus, koalas, possums, flying foxes, deer. The list is quite long. And these that's a lot <laughs> of animals. That's a lot of different animals. So I'm just intrigued initially, Rob, is, I mean, obviously they're all 
quite different inside, aren't they? As in, oh, you know, if you have to operate it, on them. There's a big difference between dip- a lion and a snake and an emu sure. and a koala. Sure. I mean, difference in anatomy and also difference in physiology. Yeah, right. Sometimes there's a drug that you can use on one species you must not use on another species. And uh, at times over the years people have learnt that the hard way, uh, but uh, with a lot of research and in, you know, a lot of communication with all the vets that do exotic uh, species, we've found out what, what we can use and what we can't. We're still mm. learning. We're still learning a lot, you know, uh, right through from everything. I've, I've, I've you know, worked on small whales like dolphins, uh, but they've never worked on any big whales. But the world is learning about them right now as we speak. Why do they you know, end up going onto beaches and beaching themselves? Yeah, we don't know. it's dreadful. Isn't it? We're yeah. learning. It's a dreadful thing. But, uh, yeah, maybe it's just the way of, of the world. Who knows? But tell me this. If, you're, uh, if you've been to vet school, which is yep. what, how many years? Six years? Five yep, years? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Five years. Full so, time. It's, very, it's a real full-time course. You know, it's in the it's old pretty days. Full-time. We would start uni somewhere between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock and we'd finish somewhere between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. So wow. it was yeah. something on all the time. Yep. But if Okay, so these days if somebody comes out of vet school and mm-hmm. they're, they're now, they are now a fully qualified vet, mm-hmm. I mean, how many animals are they? do they know enough about to work on? Surely not a list as broad as no, 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 here. no, no. No, so I mean, you learn a lot of the basic principles, the basic prim- principles of pharmacology, you know, how drugs work and mm. you know, how to use them, the basic principles of anesthesiology, how to anesthetise an animal. Um, and then once you know all the really important rules of, of thumb, uh, you know, all the, and you've got to have a lot of thumbs, I'll tell you there's a lot <laughs> of rules there, um, once you learn those, then you have to adapt and spread your wings uh, along all the different species. Surgery, you know, different techniques you might need for surgery, certainly different handling techniques, of course, for each and every animal. And also, the other thing you've got to be aware of, what animals might um, harm you. And I'm not talking about the obvious harm of you know, a tiger mm. <laughs> having a go at you, but certain animals uh, could give you a disease that could kill you. Oh, I mean, really? Like what? Like what? Well, I mean, I, I don't work on these animals. I'm not an entomologist. I don't look at insects. But one of the most dangerous animals in the world is the mosquito. You know, because what? it carries so many diseases. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People don't think about that. But, you know, flying foxes in uh, Australia can carry a rabies-type virus. Mm. Uh, mm. People, you know, want to help them when they're caught up on wire or something like that. But actually can be quite dangerous for, for the person. You've got to know how to handle the animals as much as anything else. So all of these animals that you, know, you have been involved with, a lot of that you've just trial and error, you've just gone looking for information yourself and, and worked out oh, what yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, when I started with this you know, uh, zoo animals, I guess, mm. there was no internet. Yeah. And the learning curve was acute. I was lucky because in final year at university at uh, University of Sydney, there used to be a thing called an African lion safari and, mm-hmm. and a dolphinarium had dolphins as well. And I used to spend as much time as I could with the vets out there um, learning about a lot of those animals. But that was just because, like every other vet, I guess, it's nice to do something very, very different. Uh, then later on, when I was asked to be a vet 
there um, and attend to a lot of the animals there, I had to get a lot of books from all over the world and learn about them because I'd learnt the basic principles but now I had to learn the specifics for each and every animal that I was working on and do a lot of reading. Yeah, the night before, I'd go out and see one and feel... Yeah, fairly, very, very nervous, to be honest, because, you know, sometimes... Well, what was driving you to do that? I mean, you had a pretty full job being a vet. What, what was driving oh, yeah, you to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still have my practice. I still have yeah. my practice. I just, the enjoyment, the sheer enjoyment of helping these animals, uh, it's pretty special, you know, when they asked me, would I be able... The first thing they asked me was, uh, would I be able to help with the dolphins? Because they knew I, I had, just out of interest, uh, gone to Macquarie University to do a fish course. And I said, look, I'm, I'm very happy to work on dolphins, but they're not fish. And he goes, ah, oh, they all swim in the ocean. I thought, okay, if that's, you're happy with that. Uh, so I went out there and uh, I'm proud to say that they had the first live calf born under my um, directorship as a veterinarian out there. So it was right. pretty good. Yeah. So the only fish course I'm thinking of is just like with some nice potatoes on the side and a little, uh, <laughs> nice little sauce and yeah, um, main course. <laughs> but what what uh, regular uh, doggy pod listeners will know, of course, is that Dr. Rob spends a lot of time out at Zambi Wildlife Park, which is out on, on the outskirts of Sydney, where there are lions and tigers and uh, what no bears, <laughs> yes. no bears, but meerkats <laughs> as well. So I'm guessing you're, uh, as head vet there, you get called in to do yes. all sorts of things. We, yeah. we have a, a policy there where we're looking after these animals and um, we have to, yeah, obviously we don't want to breed from the animals. We're not a breeding establishment. We just want to care for animals that are in excess from other places. So actually, Rob, um, last time I was out at Zambi with you, um, I remember you were looking at a, a lion there that was that, that was really sad because it was this beautiful, big, normally strong lion, or maybe it was a lioness. I can't remember. Um, th- and there was something wrong with with the lion, and uh, it was a bit. It wasn't spooked or something, but it was um, having trouble moving. And yep. uh, what was the story with that? What happened? Well, with that? well, he's well over twenty years old. I think he was twenty five years old. And which is that is, oh, that's old it, for a lion? It's very old for a lion. Um, and it was yeah, it was cold when we were out there. Remember, it was yeah, uh, winter yeah. time, so arthritis was taking its toll on him. Ah, and right. uh, but I'm happy to say that we've got him through this winter on some just non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, anti-arthritic drugs. And uh, now that the weather's warming up, we'll wean him off it because don't want him on it all the time. That might affect liver or kidneys, and mm. just see how he goes. That, my job is to keep them happy for as long as possible not live as long as possible and drag out a miserable life, but I want them to have a very, very happy life. Mm, so mm. that's what we do. And, uh, you know, we have um, these tiny little um, uh, monkeys that are called marmosets, very tiny, and they live in a colony. Because we're a non-breeding establishment, you know, you can't say to them, well, don't breed. They, ha- they have to live in a colony to be happy. So an unusual thing, I haven't done this before, for example, but I felt confident. We had to desex the female marmoset. Now we're talking an animal no bigger than a chipmunk or a squirrel. Now, sort of that size, and I had to desex it. Now the other mm-hmm. thing with this, I had to leave the ovaries inside. If you desex her totally and take out the ovaries, uh, then we've got a problem because she won't fit into the hierarchy anymore. She won't come into season and. 
Um, yeah. Well, so it, it, so they'll fight. They fight. They'll fight. Really, they'll just sense yeah. that she's not complete. She'll be <laughs> ostracized, and she'd probably die of depression. No. Uh, so yeah. So we take out her uterus, but leave the ovaries there, so she can mate. Yeah, she'll be able to come in the season. She'll mate, yeah, oh, but she okay. won't have any babies. So we won't continue uh, having excess of marmosets anywhere in, from from our point of view. And, and we've got a really happy colony. The next time you're out, I'll take you in there with them, and you'll mm. s- they'll jump all over you. They're very happy, these little guys. I oh, love it, love it, because we are going to be filming part of our movie out at Zambia. Exactly, right? yes. Uh, which, which everybody will get to see sometime early next year. But, yes, that's pretty cool. Now, you've also been looking after lots of, like, native wildlife. Forget your lions and your tigers and all that sort of carry-on. You, you've, you've sort of actually worked on kangaroos. Oh, yeah. What, what, how, uh, that, what would that be about? I guess a, a lot of veterinarians, especially on the outskirts of cities, um, do that sort of work. Uh, I mean, obviously but how do you I've come worked... in contact with a kangaroo? Two ways. I mean, in my area... We also have Zambi Native Wildlife Sanctuary. And at the oh, Native right. Wildlife Sanctuary, we have emus and kangaroos oh, okay, and right. you know, other uh, species of animals like that. So it's, um, uh, they have to be cared for just like any other animal. But also on the outskirts, and I do live on the outskirts of Sydney mm. where there's bush. I mean, I've had uh, kangaroos in my backyard, literally, just jumping along. Um, and really, yeah, yeah, it's, just still, it's still relatively through. suburban, though. I know you're on well, the outskirts of town, but that's really is, it is now. I guess I'm talking ten years ago. It was, and it yeah, was, right. Would you okay. believe? I know this sounds funny. It was on Boxing Day, and, and kangaroos are animals that people say, "Oh, look at them boxing when they <laughs> sort yeah, of fight right, for right. each other." I thought that's appropriate that I should see these kangaroos <laughs> out here today. It was quite amazing. It was a, a real little mob of kangaroos out there, and it was. Quite good, but yeah, and unfortunately, what happens when whenever native wildlife or any wildlife comes into contact with humans, it's the wildlife that suffers. And most often, we see them because of motor car accidents. And oh, um, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. And we've had to do. Um, uh, strangely enough, you know, as a veterinarian, you're not unique because I had to do an operation which another friend of mine had to do. He was up. He's at Terry Hills Veterinary Clinic. He had the same problem. The tail had been crushed and you know the blood supply was no longer there and we had to amputate part of the tail now once you do that the animal can't be returned to the wild because they can't you know um hop away and, and do because kangaroos the use their tails a lot oh they? very to very, stand very, up much and, so. yeah, very much very much so balance so, themselves uh, but you know the animal lived happily and uh, he went on for quite a few years in a sanctuary environment where he was you know pe- people brought him food and uh, what I was surprised about, because this was an older male, he became very, um, uh, or not domesticated, but tame. You know, he, was, he would come up to you all the time very quickly. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with kangaroos and wallabies, they, they do like some human interaction. They don't mind it at all, as long as you're feeding them, of course. They don't well, male, male kangaroos have got a pretty bad reputation, haven't they? Have well, been, they can tear uh, you a apart. A bit aggro. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes, absolutely. they can tear you apart. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not their fault. It's just the way they're... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, if they feel threatened, they'll sit up on their on their uh, tail, literally, bring mm. their back legs up, and the the there's only there's one big sharp toe. There's a couple, you know, three toes, but there's one big one in the middle, and it's very very sharp, and they use that for defence, and they would just rip that right down your. Uh, yeah, your chest and down through your abdomen and everything mm. would fall, fall out. Not a good look for you. So, yeah, you've got to be careful. Again, it's handling animals, handling them properly. If you do come across a kangaroo in the wild that's been injured, the first thing you should do if you can, find a blanket or a towel and put it over its head. Make it dark straight away. If you do that, it, it will give a lot of calmness to the animal right. and make it a lot easier right. for you to, to handle it, put it in your car. Um, and, of course, what do people want to do when they find an animal that's injured? Oh, well, let's give it some water. Let's give it some food. No, don't do that. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's what I would do. Yeah, a lot, it's a natural instinct. We want to feed the, the animal. We feel sorry for it. So let's give it some food. It's something it doesn't usually get. Let's give it something unusual. So not only if the animal did eat it, you'd probably give it diarrhea as well. So <laughs> don't try and feed them. Keep them calm. Keep them warm. Warmth is king for an injured animal until you get them to a veterinarian. And then the vet right. will know what to do from there. If you can't, there may be an organisation in, in your country that will help injured animals. There always is. Uh, And it's good to know one in your area that you could call on and they'll come out and give you a hand straight away. Now, there's some seriously bizarre animals that Rob's worked on over the years. (laughs) And one of them is, uh, well, flamingos... Oh, yes, I remember that. What's yeah. the story? Like pink flamingos or flamingos? Pink, pink flamingos. Are all, um, pink, are all flamingos pink, by the way? As far, far as I know, I, I, you know, that's something I'd need to study. I can't Jeez, say if, I've only, if only there was a vet in the house. We could okay, I haven't studied pink. the colour inheritance of flamingos. I think they are okay. all pink. They are generally um, pink. Okay, so how did you come? How did you cross paths with a pink flamingo? Well, years ago, uh, in the 1980s, um, the, there was a, yeah, that's how many years ago it was. There was a zoo that was having a lot of trouble with uh, quite a few animals, and it was in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh. And oh. the director there contacted me and said, uh, "Look, we are having quite a few problems, and we need what some with help. flamingos being sick oh, or dying, flamingos and other animals as well. Right. Would I c- come out there and would I go go over there yeah. and help them?" And uh, even funny story getting over there, I'll tell you, I, I said, I'm not sure that I can make it. And you know, I was trying to get out of it, to be honest. And uh, <laughs> he finally said, yeah, well, the ticket's there waiting at the airport. You've got to go. And I, I haven't even got a visa. He said, don't worry, there's a letter there. And I thought, what? 
And it was in the days when the, we didn't have emails. We had faxes. And right. I, I turned up at the airport and I said, oh, look, you're going to probably send me home. I don't have a visa. I'm supposed to go to the airport uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia. And the, the lady went out the back and said, just a minute, she said, oh, here's, the, here's your um, ticket. Oh, there's a big, long fax here. Uh, do you speak Arabic? I said, no, I don't speak or read it. <laughs> oh, okay. She stamped the papers and off I went. And I went through customs. They stamped the papers and off I went. I thought, this is all right. I've got this letter from the prince. I, get I hope they flew you at the appropriate end of the plane. Uh, well, yeah, it was uh, pretty good. But I, <laughs> I get to Indonesia and they're checking all the visas and I thought, oh, no, there's these guys with guns. <laughs> I'm done for. What were you doing uh, in Indonesia? Well, th- that's where the plane stopped to get to Saudi Arabia. Wow. And, okay. uh, and But they check everything and I they said, yeah, papers. I said, I, I don't have a visa. And they looked at me. I, th- I thought he had his hand on the trigger. I said, I have a letter from the prince. He reads the letter. <laughs> Thankfully, he read Arabic or something. He said, well, he stamped it and off I went. When wow. I, got to, I got to Saudi Arabia and uh, they said visa. And I said, I don't have one. I got a letter from the prince. Eh? Leave me alone. <laughs> and, they, and they looked at don't me. Don't you know who I am? I didn't quite say that. But, yeah, I was, was well-mannered. But yeah. um, they said, oh, just all of a sudden I was surrounded by these smaller guys with really big guns. I thought, what have I done? Right. <laughs> Took me into a room with no windows. And, and this gentleman came in in Lawrence of Arabia clothes, you know, just beautifully dressed. Mm. So, and he starts talking in Arabic to the other man. And, you know, they're talking pretty loud, but I know that's how they talk. It wasn't a, an argument. Mm. Mm. Then he turns around to me and Stephen in the finest Oxford English accent <laughs> says to me, Oh, he just wants the uh, landing tax. That's all it is. <laughs> I'll take care of it for you, Dr. Zaman. I was, I was in Saudi Arabia right before I knew it. And it's an inter- a beautiful country, interesting country, but there's no tourism. You do not yeah. go to – there's no tourism in Saudi Arabia. So you go there to work and to help. And, uh, uh, but they treated me very nicely. I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, so you went, so you and went, we went to, to visit the, the flamingos. flamingos. And, and, and yeah, they, what we needed to do – and. Uh, the Riyadh Zoo people were wonderful. We made a bigger compound for them. We wormed them. Uh, we looked at their diet and changed their diet accordingly, and they started thriving. It was fantastic to watch, really good to watch. And, uh, yeah, sure, and while I was there, there was a hippopotamus, pygmy hippopotamus. Yeah, pygmy hippopotamus. Yeah. And was there something wrong with it, or they just wanted yeah, you to have a bit of a... Yeah, they were um, quite strange. People don't think about it. Uh, they were very much out in the open. They had water there, plenty of water to go into, but they had no shade, and mm. so they were getting sunburnt. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, so we had to put <laughs> suntan lotion on them and build, of course, a decent shade area for them. Um, so, but we saw so lots in, of in, other animals when I was there as well, a lot, lot of other animals while I was there. Mm. But in, So in their natural uh, environment, pygmy hippopotamuses yeah. or potami, yep. uh, they, they would find trees or whatever to... Exactly, uh, the yeah. They, they're sun, in yeah. a nice shady area. They, they don't go out in the midday sun and sunbake. They, they're not mad Englishmen, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So these ones were, didn't have any shade at all. They were just out in the sun the whole time. Yeah, too much sun. They, wow. Beautiful. It looked beautiful. Yeah, the compound, they, they built all these compounds and they all looked fantastic. But they were not all functional. When, when you build a compound, function has to be first. Form mm. follows function. What function do I need to, to produce the right environment for that species? That's what you've got to think about. And yeah. then you can look at your form. Did you see any dogs while you were over there? Actually, I did. The, uh, there was a, a young kid over there, an American guy, 
his father was coming over to, to also be the director and uh, he, he was really worried. He said, what's this? And I said, that's it. Looks like an abscess on the toe. Oh, no, what are we going to do? I said, I'm going to operate. He said, can you do that? He was really worried that I didn't know anything about dogs. And <laughs> I, I operated on this dog. While I'm operating, he fainted. <laughs> oh, really? Well, you know, I had to open it up, pus ran out, and I'm putting scissors in there and oh. curating it all out and flushing all this muck out. It looked pretty awful, but a few days later he, he was so thankful because the dog was 100% better. Do they have so, a lot of dogs over there? Is it a pretty hot uh, environment? Well, yeah, well the, um, I think the king has his own kennels. He certainly did at that time of, mm. um, of the Arabian dogs, the Saluki, and they were beautiful dogs, beautiful, beautiful dogs. I was taken to the kennel to, to see the dogs and, oh, wow, these Salukis were just gorgeous, well looked I, after. Each I dog had, was, had its own attendant. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet they were sport, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> they true. And, but they'd be taken out to the desert to give them, slipped off and, and allowed to run through the desert, which is what the, the breed was meant to do. They were just right, okay, enjoying okay. life. Yeah, fabulous. Now, what most people, I think nobody really knows, is that when um, I first met Dr. Rob, I was a television producer, and still am, really. Some might say I'm not, but I still am. And uh, <laughs> Rob was uh, a super well-known and, and highly regarded vet, and we desperately wanted him on our TV show because um, he, he was not only a good person, but it was just, it was going to be, there would be lots of interesting stories to do with Dr. Rob. Anyway, uh, I was sent out to look after Dr. Rob and produce a story. Now, what, what was that on? Was that, it was a tiger, wasn't it? That's what right. It was a, he you was. Had, he, you were like a, just a local vet uh, and you had tigers yep. for some bizarre well, reason. No, he, uh, this little cub had its tail or three quarters of it bitten off by the mum accidentally. You know, the mother was chewing at the cord, must have got the tail, its tail, and it chopped off and it was... But where was that? Where was the mother? Uh, This was at the African Lion Safari that I was the the vet there. And so they brought it over. It was all muddy and yucky. You know, I I gave him a warm bath and stitched the tail up and looked after him. Oh, how cute. Oh, and, yeah, started bottle feeding him and uh, rang him up and I said... uh, Look, um, what do you want me to do with the cub? And they said, "Is he still alive?" And I said, "Yeah." Uh, <laughs> and I had a humidity creep in my bedroom in those days. Would you believe to look after puppies? So oh, I was a, we all have, we uh, all have. Yes, you do. Yeah. I was a bit anal about things like that. But <laughs> so he was in there with me, and uh, I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Oh, um, well, can you keep going?" I said, "Yeah, look, I have no problems. I'll rear him, and we'll see how we go." So we reared little Toby. His name, ah, Toby. Him Toby. Yes, yeah, that's remember? Right. Yes, yes, and. Um, and for me, I love teaching children about animals because, you know, if, if you do that, it's the children make better adults, but they also look after the animals later on. And one thing I love teaching about is conservation. And let's face it, there are more tigers in captivity than there are in the wild because we haven't conserved their environment and have not conserved the animals. We've gone and shot them and hunted them. Oh, terrible. I don't, mm, they don't want to think mm. about that. So yeah. I, I started taking Toby to school as a cub um, and to, teaching... What, to local schools? Local schools. And, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Toby lived with me at home and 
he, he used to run with my German Shepherd and my Kelpie. That was what he did. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget once I could, we hopped in the back of the car. There was a station wagon. And while we were driving, it was fine. They'd all lie down. Whenever the car stopped, they'd just stand up to have a look. Now, Toby, <laughs> this was a, quite a few months on. Toby had grown quite big. And I'm stopped at some red lights. There's a big line of traffic. And they all got up. The car beside me, I saw the gentleman. He was looking at the tiger and kept on looking <laughs> as his car moved forward into the back of the car in front of him. Oh, thought, did he oh, really? No. <laughs> and then lights turned green. We, we yeah, went up, drove on. I could just imagine him saying to the police, oh, well, there was a tiger in the back. Yes, what there were two dogs the and a tiger. Say, yeah, <laughs> breathe into this, sir. And it, but, you know, um, one Sunday morning, I was just sitting reading the paper and having a coffee and... Uh, well, the night before, the people at the back of us were, were, were having a party and I let Toby out to go to the toilet out there and the, and the dogs and I heard a bit of a commotion. I thought, I'd better bring him in. So I opened the door and they came in. Next morning, there's this kid screaming. I thought, God, don't tell me he's knocked the fence down and caught some kid. Oh, no, my greatest fear. Went out there. No, the kid was on the other side of the fence saying, Mom, Dad, it's Toby, it's Toby. And they, they came <laughs> down the, and... They'd had this party. The gentleman had gone out the back. It was, you know, it's pretty isolated. And he was going out to do whatever gentlemen do when they can do near a tree. When, you, when you've got yeah. a belly full of beer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he saw this tiger in my backyard, raced in to tell everybody. They all raced out. Of course, there was no tiger because I'd brought him back inside. And they'd go, <laughs> you're drunk as a skunk. Go, See, I told you I wasn't drunk. <laughs> this kid recognised Toby because... By chance, I didn't know the people, but I'd gone to his school and uh, oh, okay, right, that's right. right. And you, you remember, we went to a few schools. We did um, a program on on the current affairs show that, that we were working on together about Toby and about going to school mm, and teaching yes. children about conservation, and and that was marvelous time for, for teaching these kids about endangered species. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Whatever happened to Toby? So one, he, obviously well, he got too big that you couldn't yeah, keep him. Uh, that's always the hard thing. And, and so then we have to very carefully uh, rehabilitate him back into uh, the lion safari. I didn't want him in a cage, a small cage. And they didn't have small cages. They had big compounds. But they had mm. really, really big compounds where they'd have a, a pride of lions or you know a whole group of uh, animals like tigers mm, living. Mm. So eventually he, he went back into there. Good. Oh, good on you, Toby. How, so how long would um, uh, Toby have lived for? Twenty. I kept years? looking. I Sorry? It was 28 years uh, he, 28 before years, he passed yeah. away. Yeah, he, oh. he lived a long time and uh, never forgot me, never forgot me. I'd go up to the wire and I'd, I'd make, oh, a, really? I'd make yeah, a tiger oh, nice. noise and he'd come running up and uh, uh, he'd be you know, ru- nice. rubbing himself against the wire and I'd put my hand through, which I know you shouldn't do. But uh, we had a yeah. pretty special relationship. He never, ever yeah, forgot me. Yeah. And uh, we we remained friends until uh, I, was, I was thankful for him because I didn't want to put him down. And uh, one day they just found him asleep and that was... That so was he just died yeah. like just peacefully? Yeah, yep. Oh, nice. And that's, as you say, that's a, that's a pretty good innings for a Oh, a fabulous, tiger. yeah, 28, yep. Yeah, yeah. Good. Now um, we could we could talk about a few other animals, but we might have to do that another episode because we've uh, 
got to wrap this baby up. So, oh, all right, um, we, will do, we won't talk about the seals down at uh, no, Montague Island. No, we'll do that Island. another time. All right. We'll do that another time. We'll do that. Um, okay. And, and the sharks. There's, there's, okay. Yeah, because I did want to talk about sharks. But, um, yeah, well, that's that's for another all time. Right. Next, Rob. next episode. Next, probably next episode. We might have to pick some of this up. And, um, and yes, yeah, so thank you very, very much for listening. We do appreciate it. We love hearing from you. And, um, and, and please keep following us on Instagram. We, we like to post there as much as we can. And, and Rob uh, puts all sorts of weird stuff there. Um, and, of course, on Facebook as well. Um, <laughs> and we will see you in... Um, yeah, a week or two, thereabouts. In the meantime, uh, you know. what have you done for your environment lately? Do you do things for your environment every day, every week at least? Think about it because helping the environment just in your area will help animals and will help conserve our animal species all around the place. See you next time, folks. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.